uh, we're going to be talking about uh, one of the gifts that we are given in Christ uh, at this Christmas season. It is 19 days until Christmas. Uh, and as we, you know, are, are now moved on into the season, have you had the question asked of you or have you asked the question of somebody else, what do you want for Christmas? Anybody? Anybody uh, have that where either you've been asked or you've asked somebody else right? That, that's a pretty popular uh, question during this season. And then uh, depending on who we're talking to, we, we might hear something like, I want, I need, I hope I get. You know, uh, depending on, you know, usually, uh, especially when you're talking to little ones, it's not want, it's need, you know, whatever toy or whatever item it is, right? Um, but, you, you know, there's this, this constant, constant pressure, you know, on the other side of it where we look around and we say, I've got more stuff. You know, and uh, it's, it's really good for us to be able to make sure that we're, we're clearing out uh, as, you know, giving away and giving of ourselves as we are receiving as well. Um, you, you know, one of the things as we look at all that we celebrate in the giving and receiving of gifts, of course, it ties back in, well, with what we just said a few minutes ago in the offering, it ties back into uh, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. And as we reflect on that in this season, uh, and as we reflect on that tonight, uh, we think, okay, so Jesus came, what does that mean? Well, that means that the Savior has now come into the world. It means that our sins can be washed away. It means that our eternity can be set uh, to be with the Lord. It means our debt has been paid. It means all of these blessings and, and victory and promises and, and redemption and hope and all of these, these just precious beyond words things. But let me package it this way tonight and look at it this way. When Jesus came into the world, he gave us the gift of a new identity. A new identity in him. You know, now, now the, the world has to respond to that in order to step into his family and to step into that identity. But that's something that he's made available to each and every one of us. And, you know, I was, I was thinking about this. Years ago, we did a, a sermon series. Uh, we, we were talking about several things. And one of them, we were talking about identity. And uh, I referenced the, the, the movie, uh, one of the Jason Bourne movies, The Bourne Identity. You know, this is one of these kind of spy thriller uh, type movies, you know. Uh, Jason Bourne suffers a traumatic event, and as a result of that, he suffers amnesia. And he has to rediscover who he is. Uh, and he discovers he has tremendous fighting and marksmanship skills. Uh, he possesses a brilliant mind. He speaks multiple languages, but he's also being hunted down. You know, and he's just trying to figure this out. I can remember one clip in particular where he says, you know, I can do all these things and I don't even know who I am. I don't know what any of this means, you know. And so I want us to consider tonight as we uh, look at Christmas season and all that, that Jesus has given us uh, for us to ask the question, uh, are, are we walking in awareness? Maybe I'll word it this way. Does this sound familiar? Are we living on purpose? Right? That's been our theme through the year. You know, living intentional in light of the identity that Jesus purchased for us. 
in his death on the cross, in his resurrection, and of course, before that, of his coming into the world uh, as Lord and Savior. You know, uh, so, you know, although we might not be suffering from amnesia, uh, we may not know who we fully are in Christ, and there is an enemy out there that's uh, looking to take us out of the game. So interesting parallel from that that movie there. So uh, from a Christmas gift from God perspective, let's explore that a little bit tonight. So so let's talk, first of all, the message of Jesus. I'm sorry, not the message. The mission of Jesus was to transform our lives, uh, to transform our thinking, and to transform our way of doing things. Right? If, If... if all we ever do is embrace our Christianity as an external religion of instructions of do and don't, then it's, it's going to be stale, it's going to be lifeless, it's going to be dead, it's going to be not what God intended for us. But if instead we live embracing this new identity that's he's, that he's given to us, then out of that identity flows transformed lives, transformed thinking, transformed ways of doing things. Can you say amen? So, you know, the entire theme, focus, emphasis, passion, and direction uh, found in in Christmas, it's all in the word giving. And don't worry, I'm going to, I'll tell you one thing, we're going to talk about giving a lot tonight, but I'm not going to take a, a second offering this evening. Uh, it, it's, it's about embracing this identity of the giver and, and to look at what that, that dynamic looks like for our lives. So let's go back. Uh, we, we talked about this on Sunday. Let's lo- look at Luke chapter 2, looking at verses 8 to 11. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So uh, this great picture of, of celebration is out of there is this gift that has come on the scene for each and every person. Uh, Jesus was born, you know, this over 2,000 years ago. It wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't an accident. It was the intentional plan of God. And Jesus came to earth born to give. Literally born to give. Let's, let's think about this as we look back, the, the awe and the majesty of God to think, you know, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word took on flesh and dwelt among men. This universe that we live in, this galaxy, this planet that we live on, right? All created through Him. All things created by Him, in Him, through Him, the Word tells us. And He comes to earth 100% to just give. What an incredible picture, right? That's a part of, you you know, uh, what's really healthy for us to reflect on in this season. Uh, John 3, 16 and 17. 
we, depending on the translation we share from, uh, we say God so loved the world. And, and we might think that that is saying God so much loved the world. And, and yes, that's true. But really, what, what, what really, the, the new living, I like how it says, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. God so loved the world, how? By giving his one and only son, right? What, what a cool picture. Uh, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. James 1, 16 through 18. I want to just read several scriptures here that just kind of marinate us in this picture of God being a giver. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Titus 2, 13 to 14. Uh, this is in uh, a paraphrase, the, the Passion Translation. For we continue to wait for the fulfillment of our hope in the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, the Anointed One. He sacrificed himself for us that he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people who are his very own, passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. Amen. That's so good. Colossians 1, 26 to 27. There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. How cool is that? This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people and God wants everyone to know it. You hear in all these scriptures just this, you know, his sacrifice, his love, his giving, you know, and, and for it to, to turn us into this, this extraordinary people that he's designed for us to be. Colossians 3 verse 3, your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life, and now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. One more, and then we'll, we'll look at this a little bit. Uh, John 15, 4, so you must remain in life union with me. For I, this is Jesus talking, for I remain in life union with you. For as, uh, for as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to me. So again, this picture of God so loved the world, how God in, in this manner loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And in this picture of giving, uh, there's this new identity that's available for each of us. 
And so I want to tie this back in. We're just a few weeks away from a new calendar year. And, you know, over this last year, we have been pretty steadily uh, staying on course with this theme of living on purpose. And, and, and that's a theme I believe we should never get away from. You know, and, and so let me bring us back to January of last year. We, you know, we talked about, well, what is God saying to us that we should be purposeful in? What does God say to believers in his word that we should be purposeful in? What season of life am I in that in light of this season, I should be having purpose with these certain areas, right? And on and on. And that, that really should be, you know, the way we live consistently. But this was a year to really bring us back into, let's do the, the hard work of really examining uh, and evaluating and seeing what it is that God wants to say. Even pushing away some of the clutter and getting some of the things out of the way. You know, like it says, laying aside the weights and the sins that would so easily beset us so that we could run with endurance the race that's marked out for us. The race that he has for each of us to run. Amen? That's living on purpose. And all of this, I, I'm tying this into what we're saying tonight, because if we don't live on purpose in light of the identity that he has given us, then we are not going to walk out the potential, amen, of what he wants to do in us, the potential of what he wants to do through us. You know, when we look at the word and it tells us we walk by faith and not by sight, if we don't keep before our eyes, but I've been made brand new in Christ Jesus. I have a whole new identity in him, and he expects for us to step forward in that and for us to walk that out. Can you say amen? All right. Hey, uh, Ephesians 2.13 says, yet look at you now. Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been united to Christ. So, hallelujah, we have been given a brand new identity. So, let, let's just, let's chew on that a little bit. How are we doing walking in light of who God says we are? Have we been letting maybe things in the past where we lived contrary to the word get in the way of what God wants to do now and who God wants us to be moving forward? Have we let the lies of the enemy kind of, you know, push us out of, of believing for God to, to do in us and through us what he says he wants to do? So, so let's talk a little bit. How do we identify with Christ's life? And, and again, I want to talk about this picture of... To, to walk out his identity um, is going to be an ongoing lifestyle of giving ourselves away. God so loved the world that he gave. And then he gave us this new identity. And we stay in that identity. And it, and it unfolds and matures in our life as we abide in him. Like we just read about. And as, as that nature continues to work its way out in our lives, it's going to pour out into a lifestyle that says, others first, me second. Come on, can you say amen? 
we live in a culture and we deal with a flesh that each day wants to tell us otherwise, wants to tell us it's all about me, you know, and have it my way and, and all of this stuff, which is why abiding in him and letting that intimacy and that relationship with him water the rest of our lives, the fruit and the outflow is going to be taking on a greater level of giving ourselves away. So just a, a few thoughts here on what this looks like as we take on his identity and how do we work it out and walk it out in our lives. Well, first, let's talk about vision. Right? Vision is the picture of what we see. Vision is the picture of what we see can be. You know, here's the thing about vision. Uh, in our identity in Christ, we look outward, not inward. And really all of this, it's all wrapped in love, isn't it? Right? When we look at the picture of what is love, you know, love is always, you know, outward, not inward, you know? So, so, this Wednesday night, this message, I, I want to treat it as more of a devotional type of a, a message. So I want to ask us questions as we go through, just to give the Lord room to search our hearts and to give us time to reflect. How many know question asking is a very, very useful, very powerful thing that we can do, right? Especially if we ask the Lord questions and if we ask ourselves questions. Sometimes we'll ask a question and on the spot, you know, it'll just be crickets chirping, you know, no answer, I don't know. But it could be we ask a question and, and we ask it of the Lord and we get him into that process. It could be four days later, you know, that we're, uh, we're, we're realizing an answer comes to that question because it's something that we've been chewing on, you know. So, you know, here, here's the thought, here's a question. The vision that we have for our lives, is it about simply who we are personally and where we want to go? Or does it move beyond that to encompass the world around us? Does it encompass a picture of when this life is all said and done, I want my life to have made the kingdom a little more populated. The, the, the world know a little more authentically of who God is. You know, you fill in of what that looks like, but, you know, and again, are we intentional to say, I've got a vision for the world? And, and when we talk about the world, it could be our neighborhood, our workplace, the people that we encounter on a daily basis. Uh, Matthew 25, right, uh, we, we have this portion of scripture where it talks about, you know, uh, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in, you know, and then it goes on and, and, it, and it flips that, you know, I was hungry and you didn't give me anything. And, you know, uh, you, you know, in prison, you didn't visit me. Oh, you, you know, that, that whole kind of a picture. Matthew twenty five forty, the king will say, I tell, tell the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. We've really adopted this uh, as part of our vision at the Church of Grace and Peace. We say that we're all about the great commandments, which are to love God and love our neighbor. We say we're all about the great commission to share the gospel uh, with the whole world. And then what we're talking about here, and we're about the great compassion. 
you know, was to just look for ways to love and serve and care for the world around us and show Christ to those around us. Uh, Matthew 25, 45, uh, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. So that's the flip side of it. You know, the Lord is saying as we, we love others, we're loving him. And as we, you know, see it in our power to love and help and care and don't, that he sees that as neglect. So we want to make sure our vision looks outward, you know. By the way, when life is going tough, anybody ever have life go tough? Give me a wave. Come on, this is participation night, right? How many know one of the greatest ways to rise above it is to get our eyes off ourselves and meet the need of somebody else? Oh my goodness, that is, that is just, it's because God has built us and wired us to, to give ourselves away. All right, so the first, first thought on this is, you know, walking out in his identity is just a picture of vision, you know, and seeing this outward first, inward second. Uh, then here's another, uh, this might sound intensely practical, uh, and it's words. I was just having a, a conversation uh, with a friend the other day, and I said, you know, the, the more I'm walking with God, the more I see this picture of, if I could just get a hold of my mouth. Can anybody say amen? That's what the scripture says. Like, man, taming the tongue, you know, it's almost kind of saying, like, good luck with that. You know, it's, but, but what it says is when we've got our mouth bridled, that that is maturity in him. That is walking in maturity indeed, you know? So words, that is that if we're going to carry his identity. So let's think about it for a minute. Okay, my identity is he lives inside me. My identity is I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. My identity is I am an opportunity for the world to see who Jesus is in my life. And so let's bring that back to then our words so here's the thing. We want to bless and not curse. Words are powerful, right? In Genesis 1, God spoke creation into existence. Uh, words just don't communicate, they create. They can build, they can destroy. They can build like a friendship, a marriage, a home, a spouse, a child, or the opposite is they could destroy. Uh, parents know that their words are creating um, uh, identity in their children. Right? So, uh, something for us to be so mindful of. Uh, hey, just, just again, a question. Can you remember a destructive word that was spoken to you sometime in your past? Chances are it wouldn't take us more than a half a second. And I'm not talking about living in unforgiveness or anything like that. What I'm saying is those things, they leave a mark, don't they? You know, God will heal us, but they'll still maybe be the, we can point to that scar and say, hey, see this scar here? You know, that, that was when, you know, this situation. On the flip side, can you remember a time where somebody spoke something super life-giving to you that just breathed encouragement into you? Same thing, right? We can remember. There's probably a handful in each of those settings where, you know, we could say, yep, on the, on the outside and on the, wow, that was so edifying side, I can remember those words. And then dependingly, you know, even to this day, we might be having to say, you know, I'm not going to surrender to the identity that that negative word spoke toward me, but I'm going to surrender to the identity of what Christ says about me. 
Amen. So, hey, who do you know that exemplifies words that bless? Words that bless, that are encouraging. Um, It would be one thing if we were instructed only to bless those that are close to us or bless those that are nice to us. Boy, wouldn't it be so easy if the Lord let us off the hook with that, you know? But uh, Luke 6, 27, 28, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do something wonderful for them in return for their, their hatred. When someone curses you, bless that person in return. When others mistreat and harass you, accept it as your mission to pray for them. That's again a paraphrase, but I just think that's so cool. You know, so I took that approach on the road. I want you to know I'm improving. I've had two people since I've moved to Tom's River over the last six weeks let me know that I'm number one. (laughs) Blesses my heart. Blesses my heart. So, you you know, uh, it it all depends on, you know, how how we're going to respond. I'm going to bless. I'm not going to curse, right? And and, and, and I'm talking about, you know, blessing and grumbling back and forth. We know how that can happen. Things can, uh, you know, press our buttons and so forth. But it's worthwhile for us to live on purpose to say, if I'm going to carry an identity in Christ, see how it's important to start with vision first? I start with, okay, outward, there's a world around me, and God wants to use my life to leave the this world better than I found it. And that's not just things like picking up trash off the ground and, you know, that, that's, I'm talking about for eternity, for the kingdom of God, right? And so then, then the next thing we look at is then, so what are my words toward those that are around me? I can be nice to those that are, that are nice, but man, what happens if I start blessing those, you, you know? I mean, great, we see this in, in politics all the time. I mean, what would happen if Christians equally matched the grumbling over at the government, equally, just equally matched it with praying for, for those same folks, right? Man, it would be such a different picture. And that's what the, the Lord has instructed us. All right, a third thought here. Everybody tracking so far? Everybody doing okay on a Wednesday night? All right. Uh, actions. So we look at our actions, and that is uh, we serve first, not take first. So, hey, do you know somebody who serves constantly? Uh, Matthew 20, verse 28, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, it's amazing when we, when we look at this idea of he has given me identity because he has come into the world, and then we read the Gospels through that lens And we say, okay, he's given me who he is to be engrafted into my identity. All we see in him is giving his life away, giving his life away, giving his life away. That's all that the Lord is doing, right? So it's one thing to serve, and it's another thing to live your life as a servant. And that's what Jesus did, and that's what he's asking us to do. So... uh, If we want to be like him, then we want to take up the posture of how can I live as a servant? Um, And then we just look for the opportunity to serve in big ways and small ways, the best we can. Amen. Number four uh, is attitude. So in in the attitude department of identity, it's that we are selfless, not selfish. Uh, John Maxwell said, the greatest day in your life and mine is when we take total responsibility for our attitudes. (laughs) 
How many have run into anybody in their world today who maybe has not taken responsibility for their attitude, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we can see that, you know, people being mean to folks in stores and, you know, just in uh, everybody's, you know, uh, circles out there in the world, we can see. As a matter of fact, we have, we have it's become a society of professional victimism. You know, well, I'm behaving this way, but it's not my fault, you know, but in Christ, again, if we want to walk out that identity that Christ has given us, you know, then we have to turn around and say, well, I take responsibility at the end of the day uh, for my attitude. John Maxwell there, he had finished that thought. That's the day we truly grow up. You know, so we're talking about things like, oh, Jesus came to give us this gift of identity. And then for us to find maturing in Christ, growing up in the journey is, oh, man, I tell you, when it starts affecting our mouth we're getting seasoned in him. When we're living an attitude, not serving, but living an attitude of a servant, we're getting seasoned in the Lord. When we're carrying an attitude that, that starts off selfless, you know, and it doesn't start with selfish, uh, then, then we know we're, we're growing in the Lord. So uh, John fifteen thirteen, for the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this, is, and this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. Again, I'm using some different translations tonight just to try to accent some things. The Passion Translation, that's a paraphrase. New Living Translation, um, just to hopefully hear things from a, you know, with a fresh set of ears. So, hey, do you, do you know anybody in your life that exemplifies a selfless attitude? I'm trying with each of these to see if we can kind of pick out and spot. There's usually somebody, and I know I was thinking through, ah, yeah, there's that person. They definitely, man, that, that's the person that carries that outward perspective. You know, they just seem to be always living on mission, you know, and that person, oh, their attitude, yeah, very, very selfless. All right, let's go on to the next one. Number five uh, uh, is response. So, so when we look at our identity and embracing our identity in Christ, it, it, it has to do with this area now of what is our response? And, and here's, here's what I'm getting at. We forgive, not retaliate. Right? We walk in forgiveness rather than retaliation. And we've all been hurt, words, lack of words, actions, inactions. Uh, and, and we all know we're supposed to forgive. Sometimes that's easier said than done though, right? Um, forgiving is not saying that what was done was okay, but it does begin to allow us to leave the hurt in the past when we forgive. Can you say Amen. Colossians 3 verses 12 to 14. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Wow, that's so great, huh? How that's laid out there. So again, let me ask, do you know somebody who you just see, that's a picture of, that's a, that's a forgiving person. And here's the thing, if we don't forgive, we carry the hurt and the wound, and then it just continues to hurt, and it continues to wound us. All right, just a couple more here. Um, number six, motivation. And that's, you know, what do we live for? So here's the thing. Do we live to give or do we live to get? 
I, I, I was just, just saw a video recently where they were talking about the lives of, of wealthy people. And I want to say, Pastor Ralph, I think you've maybe even shared on this in an offering. Was it Andrew Carnegie who uh, spent the, the, once he amassed all of his wealth, he spent the remainder of his life giving his wealth away? Yeah, so, so you know, that, that's, that's the picture of somebody who started off on living to get, but then the light bulb went off, you know, enough maturity in his life where maybe he started looking out toward eternity and started saying, you want to know what? There's something even better. He was trying to buy heaven. To buy heaven. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. So, so think about that from the perspective of what the Lord has is, is done in, in modeling for our lives. Everything he, he's modeled is, I give my life away. So who is, the, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Not the one who has amassed the best scorecard, but the person who has lived to give themselves away. And again, talking about that on a very practical level, when we hear the word give, we oftentimes equate that to dollars and cents, but it's beyond that. It's, it's living with a, 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 uh, a landscape around us where, we're, where our first place to look is, um, how can I serve? How can I be selfless? Who can I give to? You know, it might be in, in, in our situation, silver and gold, have I none? <laughs> but what I have, I give to you. You know, and, um, you know, each and every person here, we actually have a treasure trove of blessing to give to others. Come on, how many of you know that's true? If you didn't know that before, you know it now. You have a treasure trove of blessing to give away. Come on, let, let's just pause back through this last week. How many in this room, you, you know, uh, somebody was struggling with their cart at the shop right and you helped them out? How many saw somebody who was, uh, you know, walking by with a frown and you gave them a smile that actually turned their frown upside down? You know, how many had a scenario where you saw somebody who was in need and, and you took the time to stand in the gap and to pray for them? A listening ear, a gentle answer. You know, there's so many different things, you know, and all these things that I've mentioned here, these are things that don't cost anything from our wallet. They're just things that we can be aware of just looking to the, to the world around us and, 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 and just even the simplest little thing can bring such a turn. I can remember one, one of the mentors in my life, it was so impacting. Uh, we had a chance. Th this is a person who was a long distance mentor for me. And then we had a chance to see this person up close. They actually uh, visited with us for, for a few days in town. And I can remember my, my wife and I checking this person into their hotel. And uh, it, it just was such a picture of living to give, you know? And... Um, I can think of the opposite of this. Let me give you the opposite. I can think of uh, being with a, a, a church leader at a Burger King. I mean, we weren't in like some five-star restaurant, you know. <laughs> we, were, we were at Burger King and something was wrong with the fries. And this church leader was so awful to this girl behind the counter that she was like almost getting teary-eyed, you know? And I'm thinking, we should not go sit down and bow our heads and pray over our food because the testimony to Christ here is just awful. 
You know, and it's a picture of instead of sowing, you know, generosity and understanding. And I mean, in the, in the person wasn't being belligerent. This was just somebody who allowed themselves to t- think too highly of themselves is what happened, you know. So now the flip side, my wife and I are checking this person in. And you can see the person behind the counter in their countenance, the brows are down, they're stressed. You could just tell it's a heavy day. And, and so the, 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 the lady who's getting checked in, she just stops and she just looks at her until their eyes meet, you know? And she says to her, honey, you just have the most beautiful eyes. And I mean, her entire countenance changed, you know? And I, and I was just like, this is cool. I love when you can look behind. Nobody's perfect. Can you say amen? I mean, nobody's perfect. But when you can see behind the curtain and you know, it's just so refreshing. Somebody is really looking to to live this deal out. And then beyond that, we're like, well, we're going to help her bring her luggage up and everything. And then the the cleaning woman came out of the room. Um, As a matter of fact, the girl at the counter said she might be still in there, but she's just getting your room ready. She actually stopped in front of her. She grabbed her by the hands. Just loved on her. Thank you for doing what you did. Thank you for making my room clean and beautiful, you know? Just think about how simple those things are, and yet that's, that's building life, you know, into somebody else, you know? So living to give, that's, that's the picture I'm painting, living to give. And, and you want to know what? You know, we, here's the thing, we reap what we sow. Now, when we hear we reap what we sow, if we look at that with a selfish motive, we say, I'll sow to get can you say amen? But, and you wonder what will happen? <laughs> Crop failure. <laughs> because God's not mocked, right? But on the flip side, if we say, you know what? I really want to live to give. Then that will be, you know, uh, something that will be reciprocated back in our lives. So uh, Philippians 2, 4 to 8, abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. I love that. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. So again, we have no further to look than to look at the life of Jesus on this idea of living to give. I pray that this is ministering to somebody tonight and just giving us a fresh picture. And what we celebrate at Christmas time, Jesus came to save us, to set us free, to give us eternity forever in heaven with him, and then to graft in that this identity to where we would then be him to the world around us for as long as we're on this earth. With all of our imperfections, to show him to the world around us. So uh, becoming like Christ and giving like he gave, that becomes our motivation. And uh, Romans 12 gives a a list of gifts that are often referred to as the motivational gifts. You've heard us talk about that um, even through the Holy Spirit series. And there's a whole area online where we can go and look at our motivational gifts. Uh, They're a great picture of we, we work out of those areas 
their, their strength areas and their areas that our heart is engaged that are life-giving for us to give ourselves away in those areas. Does that make sense? Can you say amen? I'm not vo- motivated to serve in uh, things like handyman things because in the natural, God left that gift off my plate, like all together. You know, so, so for me to do that would be frustration for both me and the person I'm trying to serve, you know. Uh, but that's okay. For each of us, we have areas that we're not gifted to serve, but we have areas and we have primary areas where God has wired us motivational gifts. But when the motivation is, I want to give because I want to be like him, because then the, the world around me changes, uh, th- then, then we are embracing his identity. So, hey, do you know anybody that exemplifies that, that motive of constant giving? All right, and then the last one that we'll look at here uh, is relationships, which is to say we love unconditionally, not provisionally. Can you say amen? We live in a world that says I will love you conditionally. Add in now in our modern culture, social media, it's and when I stop loving you, we will cancel you. Right? I mean, it, it, it's gone to a level of performance-driven living. Uh, it, it, it's hit a whole height. But what happens when we love without condition? How can we even do that love without condition? It's because we see the potential in Christ in them. You know, as we see the value in them because God loved the world this way. He gave his one and only son for that person. Anybody else getting a sense here of the, the potential that's available to us as we continue to dive deeper here? These things that we're looking at, for me, for you, for us, to in greater and greater ways embrace this identity in Christ, what does it do in marriage relationships? What does it do in families? What does it do in the workplace? What does it do when, when you have a situation with somebody that it just requires extra grace to encounter this person? Or you have somebody who has made an enemy of you. Again, uh, going back to, I had a quote from John Maxwell earlier. I can remember him saying, he was, he was asked, uh, you know, uh, do you have any enemies? You know, you, you, you're, you're in so many circles of influence, you, you, you must have enemies. He said, I have no enemies. So what do you mean you have no enemies? I have zero enemies. You surely have to have made some people not like you in all of this, in, you know, that you do. He said, oh, I didn't say that there's not anybody that doesn't like me. I didn't say that there's not people who consider me their enemy. I have no enemies. How do you do that? How do you authentically live that way? Well, so we make the decision, I'm going to, with the love of Christ, love them without condition. And, and, and thanks be to God, how many know, that's not an emotion. People act ugly. It, 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 it's hard to not have an emotion that says that's ugly. You know, but we can say, but I will love you because of who Christ wants you to be. Come on, can you say amen? That, that'll, that'll really affect our world. And you want to know what? I think moving into 2024, 
I think more than ever before, the body of Christ will have an opportunity to shine so bright for him if we live that way. Love without condition. Stand for Christ, live holy, be set apart, and love people without condition. It'll be tremendous. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 8. Again, this is in the Passion Translation, just changing it up a little bit for us tonight. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. Verse 13, until then there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, yet love surpasses them all. So above else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. And again, I hope we see in that picture there, so like love's not a fluffy emotion. Love's not Hallmark Channel. Love is the power of Almighty God. Right? Love is all that is righteousness. Love is all that is good. Right? There's, love is strength. Amen. So do you know anybody in your life that exemplifies unconditional love? And I would ask us the question here, uh, can we be willing to say during this Christmas season, Lord, as a gift back to you, I'll choose to allow your love to pour through me. See, this, this picture of living on purpose, living intentional, uh, means that we'll walk this walk out saying, okay, encounter with a person, don't feel like loving them, but I'm going to live on purpose. I'm going to love them anyway. You know, not liking the, worry, the, the, you know, the behavior, uh, we can, you know, love the person and have that separated from the emotion of who they are. Because it is ultimately loving them to where they should be. And um, I guess as a balancing statement too, I'm not suggesting that we don't speak the truth. I'm not suggesting that we don't confront. I'm not suggesting that, you know, you know, any of that stuff. What I'm saying is the motive behind it, right? I love it. Pastor Walt had clarified, you know, well, in this situation, when do you say something? In this situation, when do, when do you not say something? In this situation, why do you act this way? In this situation, why do you not act that way? Which is the right? He said, well, love prefers the other person's highest good. I love that. That is such a great picture. Love will prefer their highest good. So that means I could be saying something to you that you don't want to hear, but because it's your highest good, I'm loving you. I could not tell you something that you need to hear, but you don't want to hear because I don't want to go through the hassle. That's me not loving you. Come on, can you say amen? You know, so, so in this whole picture, um, you know, Jesus was born to give. And we're called to walk that out, to live in that identity and let that pour through us. One, one more kind of, um, you, you know, uh, 
sort of balancing statement in this. As, as we talk about living intentional and as we talk about living on purpose, I, I want you to understand here, I'm not suggesting um, that we work out these areas out of our willpower and out of our soul strength. Amen? Uh, in other words, uh, what I'm saying is as we abide in him and we set our eyes on his heart, his heart is going to become our heart, and it will pour out through us. There will be times where we have to grab ourselves by the ear, and where we do have to have self-control, and we do have to exert natural effort. But what I'm saying is that needs to be added, that needs to be worked through first from a place of him working out of us. What I'm saying is the fruit is love, and we can't hype up or will the fruit into existence. But we can live in an environment with him where we allow his love to work out in us. But, you know, going back to where we started, just bringing this in for a close. So, you know, the, the born identity. He had amnesia and, you know, saw all these glimpses of, of potential and high skill in his life. But he doesn't know what it's all about and what it's for. And there's an enemy that's hunting him down. When Jesus came, he came to earth to take away the sin of the world, but also to give us this new identity that we live in, that we think in, that we act in. And, and so, you know, it could be that as we talked about some of these things tonight, you know, the takeaway for us is, all right, I don't have that on the radar of my mind and thinking. You know, uh, tells us in scripture as, as a man, and ladies know that's as a woman too, right? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So there's a, there's a thinking, there's a perception, there's a having our mind renewed to have the mind of Christ, right? As opposed to a carnal mind and things like that. So uh, I, I, I hope I'm not too all over the place with, the, with this message tonight. I wanted to bring us in these devotional thoughts just as we move in toward the Christmas season just to take some inventory on this. So how much have we embraced our identity in Christ? Let me, let me wrap up here. Who is this Jesus that was born to give? He gave his blood to destroy our sin. He gave his dignity to take our shame. He gave his grace so that we could be saved. He gave his obedience so that we could become righteous. He gave his body so we could be healed. He gave his riches to destroy our poverty. He gave his name to give us authority. He gave his life as a ransom for our freedom. He gave up his seat in heaven to take our place in hell. He gave his armor to protect us. He gave his spirit to fill us. He gave his love to extinguish our fears. He gave up his crown in heaven and took a crown of thorns so that we could be royalty. He gave his authority so we could walk in power. and gave up his privileges as a son so that we could join the family and be adopted. He gave his power so we could have victory. He gave his glory so we could be holy. He gave up his position so that we could be exalted. He gave his wealth so we could be generous. He gave up his desires so that we could have what we desire. He gave up his comfort so we could experience peace. 
He gave his truth to set us free. He gave his word to fuel our faith. He gave his angels to guard and protect us. He gave his spirit to guide, comfort, and teach us. He gave his blessings to meet our needs. He gave his freedom to break us out of prison. He gave his forgiveness to destroy our guilt. He gave his authority so we can walk on the devil. He gave us a covenant to secure our future. He gave us the gifts of the Spirit so that we can minister. He gave us love when we didn't deserve it. He gave us faith so we could believe it. He gave us strength so we can overcome. He gave us joy to brighten our day. He gave us the baptism in the Holy Spirit so we could be empowered. He gave us his ability so that we can perform miracles. He gave us his church so that we would have a family. He gave us life so we would never thirst. He willingly gave himself to be nailed to a cross so we could be set free from sin. He gave his anointing to teach us all things. He gave his spirit to help us pray. He gave his light to guide us. He gave us his stars in the nighttime for our enjoyment. He gave us the sun in the daytime for fun. That was 45. And we could just go on and on and on and on. For God so loved the world that he gave. Is it no wonder, right? Just looking at that, that little miniature list there for us to say, so why wouldn't I want to just take on his identity and just make my life about how can I give away to others so that their life can be blessed, so they can be brought into the kingdom, knowing that God's plan is, and as I give away, I'm blessed, I'm fulfilled, my needs are met. Can you say amen? amen. So, hey, the ultimate Christmas present is Jesus coming, huh? Amen. amen. Let's pray. Well, Father, as we close this time here tonight. First, we say thank you so much for how you loved this world, that you gave your one and only son, so that as we believe, we would not perish, but have everlasting life. And in that, Lord, you gave us family. You gave us restored relationship with you. And you gave us the greatest of purposes. Lord, to live on purpose is to live with eternity in mind. Lord, to live on purpose is to allow our lives to be poured toward others so that your kingdom could advance in their lives. We just ask tonight, Holy Spirit, that you would help us work through some of these things we reflected on tonight. Lord, any places where we have forgotten our identity, any places, Lord, where we've just not bought into it, that, that it is our identity, Lord, help these truths that we looked at here tonight, help it become more real to us. I pray that you'd grant revelation in our hearts. You've given us your identity, Lord.
anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. So just by faith tonight, we say no to the old. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. We say no to all that's a part of the old nature, all that's a part of uh, sin, death, the world system. We say yes to all that is our new nature in Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, through the remainder of this Christmas season, and even as we look ahead to 2024, Lord, in whole new ways that you would work in us so you can work through us. Lord, I pray even in this season that there would be um, a whole new sensitivity, Lord, with what we started with tonight, a vision that's outward before it's inward. Lord, that we would begin to notice all of the opportunities that you put around us to be your hands and your feet and your voice and your heart to this world around us. So God, have your way. I pray uh, just a fresh anointing on each one here tonight, each one watching, each one listening. Lord, bring, bring lasting, ongoing fruit out of all that we looked at here tonight, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.